Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Today we're uh, celebrating arrival joy, and our, uh, really the focus, though, is to fix our eyes on our Lord, to see His glory, to glimpse His glory, because when we see Him as He is, it's then that we, we live the way that He calls us to live in light of who He is, and we will serve Him as we should. And so today the text we're going to just soak in is a familiar Christmas text. It's Luke chapter 2. How many of you, this is the text you go to that you read as a family before you open presents? This is a wonderful text. Luke, you just, he, Luke is a doctor. He is putting together a, an orderly account of how things happened, and he's doing this for somebody he loves, Theophilus. And you just sense that as, a, um, as he, he describes this moment for us. So we'll go ahead, join me there, Luke chapter 2. This is also, if you're a kid and your parents are reading this before you open presents, this text causes time to slow down, doesn't it? It might be the longest text in the Bible. But uh, Luke writes this, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. I, I love the way this is a, really puts this in the context of time, and it may have been a frustrating time for Joseph, Mary, and everyone in this the, the, as a a Jew having to do what Rome was telling them to do, you know, and yet God was at work through the, uh, the census. The census was for the purpose of taxation. They did this every 14 years, and this would mean significant change for Joseph and Mary. Verse 4, it says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem. So we know this is about an 80-mile journey that they would take, and would have to stay there. It was the town of David. We, we see and reminded as we read this that all kinds of Old Testament prophecy is fulfilled in these as they make their way to Bethlehem because he belonged to the, to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There in the end. Two verses sum up the birth moment. And for all of you who have had children, you know, two verses does not do it justice. I was thinking this past year we've had so many new births in our church family and just praising God for, for each new child that he's given us. But uh, last Sunday, Brooklyn June Clark came into the world, and um, just that moment for Steve and Bonnie as they held her and welcomed her, and what a gift of God's grace. So after church, I texted him and said, hey, we're rejoicing with you, and he said, hey, I just want to thank you. She was up all night. She listened to your sermon, and it put her to sleep, and appreciate that. So and I said, hey, she's in good company. It does that to a lot of us here, but... If it's a nap you need, go for it. But, uh, but what a moment, holy moment here as, uh, 
as our Lord is born. And then verse 8, the, the scene shifts, and it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The darkness of that scene, just want to let that settle in this morning. Shepherds, in, uh, some scholars feel that these shepherds were the ones, Bethlehem close to Jerusalem, taking care of the sheep, the lambs that would be sacrificed for Passover. And if that's the case, um, powerful symbolism there of our Lord being the lamb of the world, who would, the lamb who would take away the sin of the world. But as the shepherds are out there, it's dark, it's night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Literally, the text says they feared a great fear. It was, they're down on their knees, freaking out over what's going on. But but an angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And this is the verse that we're going to lock in on today. And the, the part of this verse is great joy. But we'll read on. It says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the one that, that they have been looking forward to. He is the Lord. And there we see his the saving work of our Lord predicted, where he would take our sin to the cross, die there for us, and be our substitute. The Messiah, he will rule, and the Lord, he is deity. It says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared. Now, when we think host, that's a bit of a fuzzy word that just means may not mean a lot. There's a lot of them. But host is literally soldiers. This is a great company of soldiers. And that may tweak, tweak our view of, uh, you know, these beautiful creatures are actually, this is the army of heaven that's singing. So there's some authority coming here. Some, um, and we know that Christmas was an invasion as our God was coming to set us free. And the, the heavenly armies are singing, appeared with an angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Side note on Christmas, I, um, this picture of Mary, she'd already heard from an angel. Now she's hearing from these shepherds who heard from an angel. The word treasured up, that idea of she took, took this information and then she pondered them. The word ponder means to um, set something side, two things side by side and then compare them. And it's a neat picture of, I think about our own lives, and just God is at work in your life, in my life, isn't he? The, we're part of the story, and even this year with COVID, just as you have opportunity to look back, I think he probably met with all of us in a special way through this year, and, and just to ponder, what's the work that God is doing? And Mary, as she considers the, the mystery of, of God's redemptive plan playing out in her life, treasures these things up, ponders them in her heart. The shepherds, though, they return back out into the dark night, but change, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard 
and seen, which were just as they had been told. The good news today, you guys. Verse back to verse. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The good news. God's desire for you is that you will experience great joy as you follow him. Because when our joy is in him, he is glorified and we are energized to serve him as, as he created us to do. It, it, when, when, I read, when you read great joy, and this great joy is to be for all people, it immediately raises the question, where is your joy on the scale of joy? So you have, if we go from no joy to uh, low-grade joy to great joy, where are you at today? Where, where would you plot yourself along the line of, of no joy, low-grade joy, great joy? And it, it does just, aren't you thankful God uses that term mega joy? This good news of Jesus coming, it's going to cause great joy. Not like low-grade joy or, or no joy, but rather great joy. But where are we on that scale? The, uh, immediately, the, the next question that comes to mind is, okay, how, what, what kind of joy are we talking about here? Or how would you define joy? When God says great joy, what does he have in mind? And what's that look like in, in our lives as we, as we would experience that? As you think about your own life in a moment of great joy, are any scenes coming to your mind? Often, I, I wrote, immediate, go back to childhood and that moment of great joy, um, whatever that may have been. For us as a family, our mom and dad, while we were in elementary school, set aside Friday night, as we call it, fun to do night, game night. Everybody picked a game. We had pizza, usually, or something good like that. And then we would all play our game, all being competitive. It ended in often fights that would, <laughs> discipline moments, or, uh, but, but anyway, it was fun, and the end of the night would usually, um, someone would pick tickle time, where dad would, uh, mom would start to fix dessert, which was hot as summer, cold as winter, it was hot chocolate pudding, hot butterscotch pudding, that she would then pour onto vanilla ice cream, and just a little taste of heaven, but while she was fixing that, we would get in the living room, and dad would get down on his hands and knees, turn his glasses upside down, so he looked scary, and then Kids, we, the safe place were the, was the couch and the chairs, but then you had to run across the living room without getting tackled by dad and getting tickled. And I mean, we would just play that game until we're sweating and crying to the point of, uh, I mean, uh, laughing to the point of crying. Childlike joy. You know, and I think back to that, and I think, what, what made that moment joy-filled? And it was the context of being in a, a home where we were fully loved, right? It, it was a child experienced no other cares in the world except enjoying life with mom and dad who are creating this context of love. The joy that God intends for us, for you, the great joy is the joy of a child fully confident, fully alive, fully, deeply convinced and aware that I am a dearly loved child of God. And not only am I safe in his care, his goodness is pursuing my joy and being poured out on me in ways that just are wonderful. 
great joy. The joy that, that Jesus came to give us, and we know this is only through, it's all about relationship, right? It, it's about this um, being able to enter a relationship with our God through faith in Jesus Christ and just know him and enjoy this gift of life with him. When joy hits, now, here's the other thing. What, why is God so concerned about joy? Or why is, is joy a part of, of our inheritance as followers of Christ? What happens to your soul when joy hits it? We come alive, don't we? We're energized to live. I often think about peace. Peace is what calms our soul, calms the anxiety in us. Joy is what energizes us to do what God's called us to do. The joy, Nehemiah said it this way, the joy of the Lord is our strength. They're, they're in Israel. They were confessing their sin and needed to do that. But then at one point he said, guys, now it's time to, to rejoice in, in who we are and what we've been given. And, and it was a mandatory joy break so that they might have energy, he says, to, to do the work that God called them to do. You're, so as we think about this text, the announcement of the coming of our Lord, Consider this, God's passion is your joy. Because when your joy is great, we will be energized to bring him glory as we do the good that, that he's called us to do. So, back to that question, where are you on the, the joy scale this morning? And I think most of us would say, you know, probably we're somewhere in the middle. We have some joy, but there's room for a, a, a little more. This Earlier this year, as I was putting up Christmas lights outside, I was out in the front yard with this big trash bag full of lights, and I was untangling them. And I had the thought, you know, this string of lights that's tangled up reminds me of my soul and joy. It's, there are moments when I am plugged in and I'm full of joy and the lights are on, but there's also moments where I'm just, my soul's a tangled mess is what it feels like, and I'm just frustrated. My soul's in a knot, if you will, and and is, isn't it interesting how quickly we can go from great joy to, like, no joy in even a day? <laughs> and little things can steal our joy, and, and uh, Christmas time can be one of those times where we have unrealistic expectations and reality fails to meet those, or we just get busy and start running stressed and tired and fatigued, and our joy is gone. We, um, we can go through hard times at Christmas and often even miss those who are not with us and have reason to or tough times that would leave us struggling to rejoice. And it leaves us, brings us to that question. And when the Lord says great joy here in verse 10, is that really possible today? Is that something that we can experience? And the answer is absolutely. And as we read throughout scripture, we see it, it's again and again, and it's hard to summarize it into one message today, but God's intention for your life and for my life is that we might experience and live in great, with his great joy. And what he gives us here with the shepherds is a, uh, it's a picture, symbol of, of the path to great joy. And we see them when they've heard the announcement, they respond in obedience and they go to be with Jesus and they leave his presence still focused on him as they praise him and go back out into the, the night. So, question, what's the secret to living with great joy? 
What's the secret? And the answer is proximity. Proximity is the secret to experiencing the great joy that our Lord came to give us. You say, what does proximity mean? And proximity means it's living close to our Lord. It's living in his presence, seeking his presence and pursuing him. Jesus said it this way. Over in John chapter 15, verse 9. If you would join me there, John 15, 9. We're at the end of our, our Lord's life here on earth. He's huddled with his disciples, and he says this, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So important, guys, as we think about just life and joy and following the Lord, it's all about relationship, isn't it? It's a love relationship, and Jesus is reminding them of that. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, remain in my love. This means live close to him, abide with him, um, Love him as he has loved us. And he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So, so what's the, the uh, how do we stay close to him? And it's, we keep his commands, we, we follow him, and he showed us what that looks like as he lived out his life here on earth. But here it comes, verse 11, I have told you this so that, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Do you see what he's doing here? It's like, why remain close to him? And why keep his commands? We keep his commands so we remain close to him, but what is his heart for us? What's his desire for us? And we see it, he's saying, guys, it's so that my joy, and what kind of joy does the Lord, who's the most joyful being in the universe? It's our God. He has a holy joy, able to enjoy all that he's made and with, with a purity and a, a greatness that, I mean, our souls will never experience, but he, he's saying, you can have my joy and you can have it to the full or that your joy would be complete. And, and so we say, okay, if the, the secret to joy is proximity and the secret to staying close to him is keeping his commands, what's the command? What's the command? Show me, if proximity is it, what's the command? And he says, here it is. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And that's the path to joy. So, the, uh, thinking about our Lord's joy is a unique thing in, in that it is both a gift and it's a something to pursue. Thinking about the gift portion of it, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we receive the forgiveness of sin. We, we receive the Lord pushes open the door into the presence of, of our Father. And joy is a gift to receive. We see it, him saying that here. Um, when, what's the fruit of the Spirit? We're given the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. And isn't it interesting, the second fruit of the Spirit is what? It's joy. Like this is, we just have to show up, seeking our God, living in his presence, obeying him, and when we do, he will give us joy. Why? Because joy is the strength, is the, uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength to do what he's called us to do. So the question becomes then, how do we maintain proximity as we live out life? How do we live close to our Lord? And we'd like to just 
summarize two practices that God gives us in his word to keep us close to him. The first is the practice of confession. Confession is, is where we, uh, we call our sin what it is, and we turn from it, and we pursue Christ. Now, one of the, the realities of, of sin, one of the things that will drain our joy is sin, because sin cre- every sin creates distance between us and God. Often, when our souls become that tangled mess, and we're, we're running low on joy, the question to ask is, is there unconfessed sin in my life that, that's creating a, a proximity gap? And I picture it as when I choose to do life on my own, seek pleasure on my own, or, or not follow, not love the person around me like I should, or whatever, I, in essence, God doesn't move, but I move, and that movement creates a gap, and my joy goes down that drain. Anytime I move away from God, it creates this gap. I refuse to forgive somebody. I um, seek my pleasure in a way that I, I want that. And regardless of what God has said, I, I move away from him. And that gap is where joy flows. And God has given us this, this gift of confession to say, okay. And the Holy Spirit grieves us, moves us to confess our sin, to see our sin as God sees it, to admit it's wrong, and then to turn from it and run to him. And when we do, what happens is our joy is restored. Proximity to to our God is restored. So a great question to ask when you are beginning to, just your soul's a mess and your joy is gone. Is there a sin that I need to confess? Is there something that I am, sometimes it's a good thing that becomes a God thing where we just want that thing more than we want God and, and it's creating distance Often those things that we want more than him, people will get in the way of that, and then we get mad and we quit loving people and start using them or, or uh, whatever that may be. And, and confession is where we just kneel before him and say, okay, God, I want you above all else. I'm sorry for what, what I'm doing, and, and we turn to him. The secret to great joy is to seek him with all of our heart, to value him above all else. And and to live close. And one of the gifts that God has given us in helping us to live close is, is this practice of confession. Okay, so um, the next practice, how do we live close? How do we um, maintain proximity to him? Confession, but then the next gift is the practice of celebration. And this we see as we, throughout scripture, as, as joy is in focus, one of the primary places though, is in Philippians chapter 4, 4, where Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So this is where joy becomes an imperative, and God calls us to pursue it. And you say, okay, how can I pursue joy? Joy seems to be a byproduct, and, and it is, but it's our joy is found in the Lord. We're rejoicing in Him. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord versus rejoicing in circumstances. And this is where we just fix our eyes on who Jesus is, what, what he's done for us, what he's promised to us, and we um, lock in on that and put our joy in, in him. It's resolving to praise the Lord even when we're surrounded by joy-draining circumstances. And this is where the Christmas story and the arrival that we read here in Luke 2, I just love the picture of the shepherds being in the night and letting night represent all the dark things of life. And yet God says, hey, here's, I'm going to just 
break through this night with a song and this announcement. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. They go to Bethlehem. They see the baby, but God's plan of redemption from what they saw is very much embryonic and in its infant stage. They didn't see all that we see as, as we look back. And yet, what did they do as they went back out um, to the fields and where it was dark again? Back out into the, the dark of circumstances here under the curse. They're rejoicing in the Lord. They're praising Him because of all that they had heard and seen. And I, I think what a great picture of our lives as well as we resolve to live a life of celebration, a life of praise, to rejoice in the Lord. In essence, it's saying, I'm, I'm going to resolve to praise the Lord even when life is hard, when life is dark. I will choose joy and fix my eyes on Him. So one of the, the gifts that God has given us as humans is the capacity to bring to mind pictures that affect um, how we live and impact us at an emotional level, at a will level. And rejoicing in the Lord is one of those uh, practices that, that we develop as, as followers of Christ. This, uh, we, had a, we got to go out and look at Christmas lights this weekend as a family. And as we were driving around, one of the, Chad told a story that just had us all laughing. And I mean, we were, you know, when you laugh to the point of uh, you're struggling to get breath and your tears are almost flowing. And so we're just laughing. Well, the next morning, I was on the elliptical doing, finishing my workout, and I had one minute to go. It was my last lap, and I was just going to charge through this uh, finish line and, and finish strong. But that picture of what Chad's story painted came to my mind, and I literally broke out smiling there on the treadmill, and it caused me to lose my energy, and I didn't finish strong. But joy <laughs> that God gives us, actually, we can pull the picture to mind, see it with the eyes of faith, and then it energizes us to do the good that God calls us to do. So if you had to pick one scripture of all that, that God has given us through, through the word of God that we see um, what is true, what would be the most joy-giving scripture that you would pick? And the one that I would, I would go to, my mind immediately went to, is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and following. And so I thought as we wrap our session today, our time today, to just fix our eyes on picture after picture of what God has given us, reasons to rejoice out of 1 Peter chapter 1. So let's, uh, let's celebrate together. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter is writing to people who are going through a very hard time, and yet he says he leads them into this practice of celebration. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so as you think about reasons to rejoice this morning, the snapshot of that moment that you came to faith in Jesus Christ, do you remember that? you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, that invitation is open to you today. But do you remember the moment that you came to faith? I know for me, I was a little kid. I was five years old, prayed with my mom. But immediately, I remember running into my dad's room, and he was still sleeping where he was sleeping, and jumping up on him and waking him up. And do you know the, what I, in that moment, it was joy. Soul cleansed, right with God. And just to go back to that moment, we have been given a new birth. 
Guys, we're reborn, and we have a living hope. Our hope is the risen Christ. Um, We are forever alive in him. Another reason to rejoice, we see in verse 4, it says, and we've been given a new birth into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And so reason two is our lasting inheritance. And this is bringing to mind pictures of what God is preparing for us on the other side. Just thinking about um, our home. And this Christmas season, as you have opportunities, may I encourage you to just lift to mind what he's preparing for you. A lasting inheritance. And he, he stresses here, it can never perish, spoil, or fade. And then another reason to rejoice, verse 5 He says, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And here we have this reason that I am shielded by the power of God until I am safely home. And I I love the picture of uh, uh, David in in Psalm chapter 5 says, he starts out and he's just like, Lord, hear my lament. And it was basically, I've got a bunch of evil people around me who are taking shots at me, but he ends it, verse 11, with joy, and he pictures a tent of protection spreading out over him. And just see that picture in your mind. You have a tent of protection shielding you in Christ. Reason to rejoice with great joy. And then he goes on in verse uh, 6, in all of this you greatly, and there's the the words again, greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to, you, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And here we have the, the promise of God that even though we're going through trials and painful trials, We know that these trials have a purpose, our pain has a purpose, and it's refining our faith. With each trial, we put our, we we trust God, we we ask Him for help, He provides, and our faith grows, and this faith is of greater worth than gold, and it will result in the praise of our our Savior when we see Him. This is that, uh, I love too, the, the words where He says, in this we greatly rejoice, you just joy right there in the middle of this text that that keeps us going through these these trials and then the last reason to rejoice in this text we see it in verse nine, uh, 9 where he says or verse 8 though you have not seen him speaking of Jesus you love him and even though you do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And I love this picture of inexpressible, glorious joy. As we just, proximity, enter his presence here in the midst of our ups and downs of life. And think about that moment that we will be in his presence. And one day we will see him face to face. You know, one thing about the Christmas story that's emphasized we celebrate a moment in time when we come to Christmas. You feel that again where he says this was in the days of when Caesar, you know, issued this uh, census and it was a moment in time. And 
Think about, there will be a moment in time when we are with our Lord. It's coming. And that moment when faith will give way to sight and hope will be realized. These three remain, faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is love. And we will be filled with a, or we are filled even now as we think about that, and as we live in his presence with an inexpressible and a glorious joy. It was interesting um, listening to Tam share the uh, third grade observation. Tam teaches third grade and fun time of year, Christmas parties and all that. And she'll often ask her third graders, what's on your Christmas list this year? And there's usually the themes that emerge. You know, everybody wants this, that, the other. And excited about all these things. This year's been different. She said, it's noticeably different. The trend is kids aren't talking about the Christmas list, even when she suggests it. They just kind of, and the theme is, we want to be together. We're looking forward to being with family. The gift of life, it's proximity to him. And then he brings us together. He says, guys, I love you. Remain in my love, and the way you remain in my love is to do what I've called you to, which is love each other. And if you love each other, you can have joy. What kind of joy? God says here, great joy. Why great joy? Why is this God's intention? Because when our joy is great in Him, we glorify Him and we are energized to do good for Him. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And so that dark night, God woke those shepherds up with a messenger from heaven saying, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you good news that will cause great joy for all people. All people who will come to faith in Jesus Christ, trust Him, follow Him. And the secret to great joy is proximity. That's it. It's living close to the risen Christ through confession and celebration. Confession, whenever there's a sin in my life, I run from it. I don't settle for lesser pleasures or think I have to get pleasure on my own. I know that He is the source of all pleasure and I run to Him. I don't muddle around in self-pity or guilt, but I receive the, the forgiveness that He's given to me and, and all that He's done for us, me on the cross, and I run to Him. And then as I've been with Him, I go back out into my life focused on Him, celebrating all that He's given us. I grab his word when I forget how to celebrate, and I'm out there in the front yard with my tangled up soul, mad at life, mad at everything. Man, it's just a humbug day. <laughs> Nothing's going the way I was hoping it was going. And I open up 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, and I remember, I am forever alive in Christ. I have an inheritance that I can't lose, and it's eternal. I have the power of God shielding my life every step that I go. And this pain that I'm going through, these trials that I'm going through, they have a purpose. This pain is an opportunity to walk by faith in a way that's going to bring Christ's glory when I see Him. And last but not least, there will be a day that I get to see the one I love. And though I haven't seen Him yet, I still love Him and step into an eternity that will be marked by His love and enjoy all that He's prepared. Amen. Amen. So, 
you remember one thing going out today, great joy is what God has created us to experience for his glory and to energize us to serve him. To join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for just this picture of your arrival that you've preserved for us and the joy we see in these shepherds as they run to Bethlehem and see you and then go back out into that dark night praising you for all that they have had seen and heard was just as they had been told. And Lord, we just remember this morning that you are faithful. Lord, we do just kneel before you and ask you to forgive us for anything that we've been doing or anything in our lives that's offensive to you that's created distance right now. And whether that be a, a mindset or a, a lack of trust or something we've been doing, lack of love, we, uh, we lay that aside, we push that aside, Lord, and we we turn from it and we turn to you and just pray that you would forgive us and Lord, we run hard into your presence this morning. Thank you for the cross and the forgiveness that we receive. Lord, we as we go out into this Christmas week, we go out with the resolve to celebrate and just to fix our eyes on all that you have given us. We thank you for the treasure of your presence. Thank you for all the wonderful things that we get to enjoy. The simple gifts of life, but Lord, of, of all that we enjoy, you are, you are everything. And we just tell you that again this morning. I thank you for this opportunity to worship you as a faith family today and to sing these songs, to encourage one another. Pray for each person here today, wherever they may be. Lord, that you would just pour out your mercy, your grace, your blessing on them, and fill us all with great joy. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.